one of the things you'll hear pretty regularly here in Chapel Roswell is that uh, we're not here building an audience. We're building a community of faith. Hence the notion that we share life and faith in the round together. That this is a place and a community of people where all are welcome, where all are affirmed and accepted, where everybody can find their place. Even the design of the room sort of lends itself to that, right? That, that we're not sitting in rows, but we're in a circle where you can see each other. And that may be initially off-putting, but it generates a sense of knowing that we're in this together. Another way we do that is in our small groups. So there are people in Chapel Roswell who get together every week at some point in smaller groups to sit around together in a circle maybe and have conversation about life and their faith and what they're dealing with. It's a sense of building community. We do it even in a wider sense by being involved in the wider Roswell community, by being present and active in community events and festivals, uh, by partnering with nonprofit organizations in our community like North Fulton Community Charities or the Drake House or the Children's Development Academy, Street Grace. These are all ways that we participate in sharing life and faith as a community. You can find out more about those things and the ways we do that at our website at chapelroswell.com. And maybe you want to get involved like that. And i got to tell you a great story that I just heard this week or heard a significant part of this week. Um, so a couple of years ago, Dana Coffey, who runs our PMO, the Parents Morning Out here at the church, uh, emailed me. And she said there was a guy that she had met when she had been working at an English camp uh, in Germany several years prior and uh, they'd stayed in touch, social media and whatnot. And um, so a couple years ago, she said she was in here and she checked in on Facebook that she was in Chapel Roswell. And this guy, his name is Felix, he's 24 years old, started watching online because she had checked in here. And they were friends on Facebook. And he wasn't involved in a church anywhere, active or anything. And, um, and so periodically, I think th they would have conversation about what he was seeing and experiencing and um, and so one of the things that Felix saw was us baptizing people in here, in the Chapel Roswell baptismal barrel, if you've been here for that. And uh, that brought up questions for Felix. And so, so he asked Dan about baptism and what that means and the significance of it and, and all that. And, um, and so Dana emailed me this week that this past Sunday, Felix was baptized in a local church there in his town in Germany. And, and it all started with him watching online, Chapel Roswell Online from Germany. So um, we're building that community all over the world. So Felix, if you're watching, ma'am, we see you. God bless you. you. You're a part of this. So as I got involved personally in the community here in Roswell, beyond the church, one of the people I got to know was a guy by the name of Steve Stroud. And, and when Steve and I met, uh, four years ago, he was going through a difficult season in life. And um, so I've had the privilege over the past four years of watching and being with him by the grace of God as he's come from where he was to where he is today. And getting to know Steve and his journey reminded me of a couple of verses from the psalm that I'd like to read for us today. We're going to put them on the screens uh, from Psalm chapter 34, verse 17 and 18. And it simply says this, when the righteous cry out, the Lord listens 
He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those whose spirits are crushed. And I read those verses and I realize that's a promise. That's a gift from God for us. And not just for us, but it's for us to share as we participate and are active and engaged and present in our broader community. Not that we have it all figured out or that Christians don't ever have any problems or that we don't make any mistakes, but rather that God hears our cries and that God draws close to the brokenhearted and that God makes a way through it for us and with us. And so it's in that spirit that I ask Steve to come and share some of his experience of the healing and hope that he's found through God. And I'll tell you just a little bit more about him. Steve Stroud is the executive director of Roswell, Inc. That's um, so the economic development arm of the city of Roswell. Steve's native to Roswell, lives here with his three daughters, and um, was recently engaged to a friend of mine, Amy Gates. Amy and I serve on the board of Roswell Next, which is another civic organization here in town. And uh, they'll be married later this year. The pastor, the senior pastor at Roswell Methodist when I moved here was the Reverend Dr. Mike Long. And Mike told me the first person I needed to meet in this community was Steve Stroud. And I didn't understand at the time how right he was. And I'll be honest, I mean, on one level, I took that professionally, right? Like Steve could help make connections in the community and, you know, be, be helpful to the church and for what we were doing with Chapel Roswell to start something new. But what I didn't realize is the friendship that we would develop, too, personally, along the way. And so once again, Mike Long was smarter than I realized when he told me, that I needed to get to know Steve because we've developed a friendship. Uh, he has been helpful um, in partnerships with us and also in helping me to meet people and, and be connected and involved in the broader community. So would you guys help welcome Steve Stroud up this morning? Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for being here. Hey, great. Glad to be here. So you actually have some roots, Steve, in, um, in Roswell Methodist Church. Would well, you tell I, everybody a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I was just sitting there thinking that 39 years ago on a Sunday in May, I walked through that portico with my great aunt, Aunt Florence. And she said, you need to come to this church and listen to this minister. I did it by myself. I wasn't baptized. I came here, and I was in high school. I walked through that portico and walked in here, and it was like, wow, I have found the place. And through the years, obviously, my kids grew up here. I got married here. I got baptized. I found Christ here in a midlife crisis in financial distraught with Mike Long right here in my mid-40s. I really found him. So this church is really important, not only physically, but I have to say, 
as part of our conversation that this is the first time I've been to Chapel Roswell. I'm a little ashamed. He's my friend. But it's been hard for the last five years to walk through the doors of this church. Not because this church doesn't mean so much to us, but because this church symbolized a lot of things in life. So as I started to unpeel that onion and to get into the inside of it, I'm in a better place today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We will, and feel no shame. Okay. I have plenty of friends who've never heard me speak. And, um, <laughs> in some ways, I think it maintains the friendship. Yeah. I don't know. I but, uh, but I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, that you had been in a, a time of crisis. Um, would, you, would you tell everybody a little bit more about that? I mean, what that looked like, what you mean? Sure. I, I, you know, I, we all go through life, right? Everybody has something happen. You lose somebody. You have financial crisis. We had a thing called a, a small recession. I was in the printing company. I had a printing company for 30 years in this community. Who needed, who needed a printer? You can go to Kinko's. Well, then Kinko's didn't, didn't exist. You could do it on your own home printer. Life was tight. Life was challenging. Um, so that was, that was a crisis that we went through as a family. We downsized. We sold our cars. We, we contemplated. My wife went back to school at, uh, to teach at the time. We had to do all those things you do when crisis hits. But as an owner of a business, it's a little different. You feel an obligation to those employees that you give a paycheck on every Friday. And you sacrifice. And so that sacrifice bled into my family and my kids. And without Mike Long in this church, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it. And while that was going on, we were starting to come out of that a little bit. My wife was diagnosed with cancer. And I'll tell you, that's probably when I got so angry. So angry with God. And really hit the clicker and turned him off. It's like, wait a minute, why is this happening? And it was a challenge. It was a real challenge. It was a challenge to me personally to believe in what I had found was out there. That I could relate again. And why is this happening to a good family, good people that try to do the right thing every day? It just didn't make sense. So I struggled. You told me, and you mentioned a little bit that you got angry at God. You had a hard time coming to the church. I did. You know, after my wife passed away, this church rallied. We, uh, I can tell you, we had so many casseroles, we can't even talk about casserole. I don't think to this day any of my kids will ever eat casserole again. No offense. And if you brought one, thank you. <laughs> um, we literally were overwhelmed uh, with the love of not just RUMC, but the Roswell community. I said to a group of people in Buckhead one day at a business association meeting, and I said, you have no idea what it's like until you live in a community, a community that surrounds you and loves you and picks you up. But I was still mad. I was still upset. I still, um, as Mike Long said to me, you can be pissed off at God. You got every right. He said to my middle child, Camille, he said, let her be angry. Just let her be angry. Because, you know, it's not always an even playing field. And it wasn't. So it was a little bit of a challenge. 
It, it's hard, but it's important, yeah, to, to be honest about how you feel and to be honest with God. And, yeah. and yes, again, Mike being smart, uh, Mike God, smart God, God can handle our anger. Yes, he can. For sure. So, so your wife passed away in, uh, at the end of 2013. 2013. Um, so would you share with us a little bit about what it was like for you after that? Well, you know, one of the things I, I realized is when I, when I turned the clicker off and I walked away from my faith in God was that I found other things to fill that hole. And, you know, there's an adage I shared with, uh, with Eric when we were talking over coffee about this very conversation because it's a little bit hard. Let's be honest. Next weekend's Mother's Day. I'm bringing my new fiancé in here. I'm bringing my parents, my mother my girls. It's a little bit of a challenge. But you know what I realized was if you don't deal with it, it deals with you. And let me tell you, it dealt with me for two years. I hit the bottle. I went Canton Street every night. I did the things that I wasn't supposed to do. I left my girls in times when I didn't need to and I apologized to them. I do every day. I did things that it wasn't Steve Stroud because I was still numb. I hadn't cried. I wasn't strong enough, I thought. But everything's going to be all right. I tell the community, I'm okay. We're good. We're good. We're really good. We're in a good place. But I wasn't. So two years into it, I had to hit the wall. I told you. Yeah, and before you talk about that, well, I just want to say, again, thank you for being here yeah. to be able to share your story and be willing to do that. It is personal. Uh, it, it runs deep. Yes. But what you just described is what most people do. Mm -hmm. When we go through struggles, challenges, pains, loss, is we put on a mask, we put on a face, and we say everything's fine, yep. even though we may be dying inside. Yep. And we won't admit to each other. We won't take the time to have the conversation or to deal with that with one another. Yep. And, and it's common. It's typical. And I, I bet most people in here have, have dealt with that to some extent and to some degree in, in their own lives and in our lives. And so I appreciate you being willing uh, to say that was where you were and what you dealt with. Mm -hmm. and, um, and if nothing else, I hope that you take away from this. Don't hide it. Be open about who you are and, and to the people who love you and the people around you and, and maybe in a community of faith, uh, maybe with professionals, with somebody who's got education and training to be there for you and to help you and support you and give you guidance. Um, but the, if you're willing to be open about it and address it and deal with it, then you can work through it. And God can work on it and through it with you, through those folks. So, um, so I, I hope everybody in here hears that from you and I appreciate you being willing here willing here to say that one of the things that Eric asked me to talk about was what what changed what what two years into that five-year process three years into that process changed and what I say is I hit the wall June 2016 and I woke up one day and my family was a mess I was a mess personally I was struggling with my job, which I love my community and I love my job. But you know, sometimes the politics and just gets too much. We forget what's most important. And then I met a woman. 
But before I could really engage in that relationship, I had to fix myself. Because I couldn't bring that woman into my mess. So I had to start figuring out. I'd been going to therapy for five years. My kid's been going to therapy. It works. It's not a disease. You're not sick if you go to therapy. But you know what I realized was I had a lot of ties that had nothing to do with my wife that I was still dealing with as a kid. I lost my grandparents, and I was very close to them, but I never really grieved about them. I have an old clock that he handed to me one day and said, take care of that clock and hold on to it forever. That clock had no sentimental value except with he and I. And I finally came to the conclusion that I need to pass that clock on to some to new owner and to cut that tie. I started purging. Two years ago, we started a, uh, a yard sale in the community we live in, Devereaux State Street. So that August day, we pulled everything out. I was walking through the house and going, we, you want this? Girls, you like this? Done. It's out the door. And man, it felt good. That was year one. Year two, we even got rid of more. And then we went through this process of letting go of things that were just attachments. We just had things. And it started being so much clearer that the important things for us was us, the family. And this woman I told you I met, I fell in love with her. I right away told her, hey, you got to work here. You got a piece of work coming at you. <laughs> we sat for four hours at Ola, and I Wait, told Wait, I'm her, sorry. That's a heck of a pickup line oh, yeah. that you use. It was true. That's really impressive. I was straight out with her, ask her. She needed to know all what was coming. We sat at Ola, Mexican restaurant, for four hours one night. And she took my call the next day. She actually texted me that night. But I needed to fix me on my terms. I didn't need somebody to heal me, to save me. I needed to do that myself. So we could start out a relationship together. My girls wanted to see that I was the dad, that I was the husband, the possible husband, the person that I could be, and they got behind us as a couple. And I'm lucky to say, a month ago, she said yes. So we're going to get married. One of the struggles I had, and I talked to Eric about it, seems like I'm jumping around a little bit, but one of the struggles I had when I was so numb was the inability to really feel, to really understand, to really relate, because you know it's going to be okay. We're good. We're good. I said, it w I woke up last summer one day, and I was sitting on my, my deck. I was texting back and forth with Amy, and I just went in and got a LaCroix out of the refrigerator. It was piping cold. I mean, it was cold. And I set that LaCroix down, and you know, when you really step back and start thinking about life, it's really simple. You got to take time to be able to feel it and see it. And I said, I, I said to Eric, I said, I reached up and was about to grab the can, and I literally could feel the cold 
coming off the aluminum can. I don't think I'd ever experienced that. I said to Amy, this was the most moving moment. And she's like, what? A LaCroix can? I said, yeah. First of all, it wasn't a cold beer. And second of all, I felt it. And I knew from that point on, I was starting to sense and feel. And my senses were coming back. And I could smell again. And I could taste. And I was feeling life. And so she stuck with me. It was rough roads those first few months as I started to heal. Personally, I knew that she was the right woman. And she stuck with me. So we went through some tough times, but and, we got there. And one of the things that Psalm says is that God hears our cries and draws near to the brokenhearted. And what I hear in your story is the ways that God was drawing near to you. Um, you mentioned Amy. Yeah. Um, sobering up and being able to feel mm-hmm. and your senses coming back to you. And even be able to feel the cold off the can of LaCroix. You told me a story, too, about a friend that you had a conversation with in the park, and that struck me as another moment that it seemed like God was drawing near to you. You know, when I told Eric, I said, uh, when I realized I'd hit the wall and I had to take a break from drinking, I had to say enough. Because you know what? I can't get up feeling guilty. I've got to be in the present, and I've got to be able to deal with what's coming at me. And if I've got any chance of winning this woman, I've got to be fully focused. So I reached out to an old friend. He's about 76 years old right now, and his name's Big John, and he was, he's been a part of my life. He's just about as country as they come. He's done more for this community than anybody would ever imagine. He's given, he's picked up people, he's taken care of them, he's lifted them from poverty, and he's just Big John. He said, son, I'll meet you at the park. I'll be at the bench in the very back of the park, of Roswell Area Park. He said, I'll sit down and talk to you. So we went out there, and we sat for about two hours at a picnic table. And he looked at me, and he said, you know you got this. You really have this. It's up to you to do it, and you got to want to do it. He goes, you got three beautiful girls you got everything in the world you want and need. It's at your t- fingertips. He said, get your act together. Get back out there and do what you do best. Go get that girl. Winner. And so I did. With an amazing pickup line. Um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. You told me, Steve, that, um, that you woke up. So that sense of getting getting your senses back after you hit the wall, you woke up. You said, God woke me up and said, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, I think, you know, I said to Eric, I said, when you realize that you're going to lose your family, you're going to lose your kids, and there's probably a good possibility that woman that you really, really want to have a relationship is not going to have anything to do with you unless you get your act together. And I think I had that moment that, I needed to get back in the game and do the right thing and clear my head and keep my head clear so that I truly could be that dad and hopefully that future husband to this woman I love. 
and that changed everything. So you got you do have a few things coming in the future. I mean, you, you've mentioned that she said yes to you, but you've just had a graduation in your family. Go dogs! Yes. And and you got a another wedding coming up in your family. Yep, got a son-in-law sitting here, high school sweethearts since tenth grade. They both graduated on Friday. Go dogs! So I'm proud of them. One more go dogs. You got to do go it in threes. Dogs. Get it out of yeah, your system. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yep, and so they're getting married this summer. They're getting married August 25th. Right. Mike Long's marrying them, the man of wisdom. <laughs> and then you've got a wedding coming up. October 14th, the table of Maine at our first, where we had our first date. Amen. So we have a lot going on. But we listed our house yesterday, the Stroud House. We've lived there for 13 years. It went on the market yesterday, and it was bittersweet. And I'll tell you why it's bittersweet. We have a lot of memories in that house. We lived in that Devereux State Street neighborhood for 20 years. In two different houses. We kept thinking bigger is better. We kept moving down the street. But at the end of the day, we're starting new lives. You know, Eric, you heard the story. When I went and asked Amy's mom in, in January from Connecticut if I could marry her daughter, she said, Amy? And I said, yeah, that one. <laughs> and I love her. So when, we, when I asked her to marry me a month ago in, in Delray, or I mean in, in Vero, we were sitting at the table at a beach bar with her, and in comes in my two girls on FaceTime, on both phones. Surprised, everybody was. They ask her to marry her, too. And so we're starting a new, new journey together as a family. And it's a great adventure. And we're really excited. And we're excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That, that pretty well takes our we time this morning. I, I, I do appreciate you being here and being no willing to be open and share some of your story. But before we finish... I want to give you the opportunity for the last word. If there's anything, as you look back on it or anything you look around the room, you think about our community and our conversation topic today, if there's anything you'd like to say as a final thought, I'm going to give you that chance right now. Well, I appreciate you giving me the chance to be honest with you, with the community, and be, be honest with my family. But one thing I always say, and I really believe this and I live it, we are about relationships. It's not about things. It's not about what you drive. It's not about where you live. It's not about who won the game. At the end of the day, it's about people. It's about relationships. The relationship I have with my kids, with my God, and my future wife. That's the most important thing. And if we could go into every day, whether it's a business transaction, a political thing, whatever it is, with the, the approach that, the most important thing is that relationship, and how do we make that work? I think the world would be a lot healthier and a lot happier. Amen. Hey, can we, um, I'd just like to ask you if we could say a prayer together for Steve and Amy and his family and, and for all of us in the spirit of what he just said. God, just like Steve said just now, we are so thankful for the relationship that we have with you.
relationships that we have with each other. And we're thankful for Steve being here to share how he's found hope and healing in you and in the people around him. And how we see you at work in his life and in our own lives. So God, we ask your blessing for our community, for each of us, for Steve and Amy and their shared life together as they get married later this year, for his daughters and that family as they get married together and start a new journey. God, may we never take it for granted. May we focus on you, on one another, on your kingdom coming more and more every day in us and through us. This is our prayer together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you help me thank Steve for being here with us this morning? Thank you, man. Appreciate it.